0: you tune in to full service radio full service radio full service full service full service Full service
1: full service radio
2: Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I am your host, Sarah Jane. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer, continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest from different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, bartenders, educators, to help us explore this fascinating and dynamic world. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So today we have a very full studio, which I... Love to do on a Monday morning. Uh, so we have DC Brow's CEO and co-founder, Brendan Skull. We are welcoming back uh, to the program Mari Rodella. She's the Chief Community and Culture Officer at DC Brow. And the famed uh, chef Mike Freeman of All Purpose uh, and Red Hen. And that is All Purpose, both locations in Shaw and Waterfront. Uh, so the reason why I've collected this really beautiful group of people, and thank you all for coming on down on uh, Monday morning.
0: Our pleasure. <laughs> Happy to be here.
2: Thank you. Uh, so many moons ago when I was the beer director at Eleven Madison Park in New York, I wanted to make a beer with a local brewery. Uh, so I got to team up with uh, Garrett Oliver at Brooklyn Beer Company, uh, worked with him and at the time the barrel master, uh, Molly Browning. And we came together and you know, got to do this really cool collaboration beer, basically a beer brewed with cider leaves aged in white wine barrels. Uh, It was called Springwood. And it was a really cool process, especially considering the fact that most of the beer at 11 Madison Park was used for uh, beer pairings with the extensive tasting menu. Uh, So I wanted to bring... Uh, brewery and a chef together on the show to talk about what it takes to do a beer collaboration and no one is more experienced with beer collaboration than DC Brow. You guys have done uh, collaborations with McKetto Greenville Moore, All Purpose I'm sure there are many more
3: that's right. Um, and also, we've done a lot of collaborations with uh, several breweries you know, mm-hmm. worldwide, actually. Uh, we are getting ready and planning two collaborations with Swedish breweries right now. Uh, it's just something we, we really enjoy doing. And one of the best parts about collaborating is not only just the learning experience you get from, especially with other breweries, learning how their system works, how they do things, but when we're doing a... a collaboration with a culinary partner we really get to explore food pairings what's gonna you know what's gonna work to accentuate the food of, of any given place and also you know getting into themes um, right. as we've done with the all-purpose beer and actually we, we brewed a couple collaborations very small batch style uh, for Mikey at Red Hen um, some of those on wine leaves, uh which were very cool and very experimental
0: for us also.
2: So what does the process look like what was the latest beer that you two worked on
0: together? Well, we had we had the beer down at the waterfront. We didn't mm-hmm. really do a lot of kind of food development with that beer. We just knew it would be a great beer with everything on mm-hmm. the all-purpose menu. I think the last collaboration that you and I did was for that event at National Cathedral. We did that whole dinner.
3: Wow, that, that was pretty awesome. That was yeah. bonkers. So uh, for that in particular, you know, D.C. Beer Week, it's always a really great time in the industry here. We take it very seriously and one of the things that we've always done is a, a crab fest uh very dc and just a tradition for us but this one particular year we had moved dc beer week the timing of it it didn't make sense for us to do a crab event so we wanted to do something really special and we came up with the idea of doing a secret beer dinner where you don't really know where you're going uh, you just get in a bus and it's gonna take you somewhere, so we had checked out a few locations, and we'd already been talking to Mikey about being a part of it because he's been a very big friend of the brewery since you know uh since I can remember, and he was totally in um and the place that we settled on was the national cathedral
2: nice
0: yeah, it was awesome it was it was a challenging event in some ways because the national cathedral doesn't technically have a kitchen mm-hmm. um so we worked around that, but you know the best part about pairing with beer is that it you really can find your own opportunities and, and individually it's very different uh, for everybody. There's some basic guidelines that you follow, but it is fairly subjective once you get, you know, your palate in front of a, a beer and a plate of food. So um, I'd spent most of my career doing wine and food pairings and that's really fun and there's a very kind of plumbed situation about how that works and things that, you know, go well together. But with beer when I started doing this, it was kind of a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. You know, you're really kind of all over the place. You can really find great opportunities in certain hops that you use, in certain malt strains that you use in the, in the uh, ABV of the beer, you know, how full-bodied it is, uh, how light it is, and then you can really complement, contrast, or or clean. That's kind of the guidelines that I utilize for building food for beer. And, yeah, this particular event, I think we had a great flow of starting with, we had fun with starting with light and I think richer beers. That's right. And then doing the same food and then finding opportunities of pairings in both of those um, glasses and then kind of moving forward in a more traditional sense of lighter food into heavier and then into the meats. And then the, I think the dessert pairing was some, it was a, it was a lighter beer, which is also unique in the sense that, cause I don't usually like to, if if people are zigging, I'm usually zagging. Mm-hmm. Um, so Usually you're doing like a big stout or something yep. like really rich or, you know, almost like a barley wine style for your dessert and you're pairing it with something simple like a stout cake. And I think we did, we did some kind of tropical dessert with, with a lighter hoppy beer.
3: Yeah. So, um, I, it was sort of, I believe it was like a session hoppy beer yeah. and it just worked really good. And, um, it had that, it had that sort of, uh, uh, palate-cleansing character going For sure. on that For really sure. complemented just the the richness and
0: sweetness of the dessert. That was the idea, yeah, because we had a rich main course, and mm-hmm. it was really deep, and it was like a braised pork shoulder with an a, a awesome, awesome beer. And
3: but, you know, you you're totally to right. It. People always tend to lean towards, you know, they feel like a dessert-beer pairing has to be something chocolatey or, you know, like a, a there's all these pastry sort of influenced beers now sure. something like that. But that just sort of... um you know, it it almost isn't as creative as you can be with it.
0: Yeah, has someone created a pumpkin spice latte beer yet? I'm. You know what? Probably. I mean, yeah. considering Doing all the it. lactose is going in beer lately, <laughs> I wouldn't
1: be surprised.
0: No, I mean, I know there's like gingerbread beer, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. But pumpkin spice maybe it's the next one on the line. Pumpkin but I think spice.
1: That, I think that's one <laughs> of the reasons why we love working with you, Chef, is because you have a lot of experience. Um, you've been doing the GABF um, yep. food pairings, and every year we're just so excited to see that. And you've really kind of like sunk in your teeth oh, into you. into it. So for us, it's it's always uh, exciting to be able to work with you. And
0: thank you. Yeah, you I mean, know. like I said, I think that you know pairing wine and, and food is is really fun, but there are different um, limitations, and there there are limitations, and there's always this like very static flow of how it goes, right? And, mm-hmm. and um, with beer, you really have so much more opportunity, and, and When I started doing work with Brewers Association with Adam Dooley, uh, who's the executive chef of the uh, of the BA.
2: And as a shameless plug for his book, he did come out with. uh, Yeah. Really great. uh, Really great. (laughs) The Beer Pantry. Yes. Beer Pantry. He came on the show to talk about. Yeah. Really great. uh, Really
0: great uh, book. And him and Michael Harlan Turkle are are buddies of mine. And I've been working with them for many years. And um, going to GABF, which is Great American Beer Festival in Denver, largest beer event of the year, kind of their.
1: It's a massive massive Mm -hmm.
0: flagship event and kind of paves the way for the rest of the year for them Um, there's a small event called paired in the back and it's basically 24 chefs from all over the country some international and everybody gets randomly paired with a brewery from the independent brewery you know whoever controls that and there's a lottery that goes into the paired event and we get paired and they send us some beer and we you know even if they can't send us some beer sometimes we just look at the the tasting notes from the beer and we're able to craft something. But it's always fun and it's always fun to to uh, to pair beer with food because, like I said, it is very different. There is a, a larger opportunity to taste more beer as you go along as well. And then there's also opportunity for for sessions, for different small batch mm-hmm. beers that you're making uh, or that the breweries are making. And, and again, that's something that DC Brow is, is always kind of on the cutting edge of in terms of creating new beers and, and testing the waters and kind of pushing the limitations of what beer can do and where they can sell their beer, which I think is one of the more exciting things there. I know I in the Sweden market now, which is awesome.
3: One of the, I want to get back to Sweden in a second, but one of the really great <laughs> things about working with Chef is, you know, a lot of times it'll be like, okay, well, bring us down a sample of that beer so that we can make the pairing. And it's like, well, chef, we don't have that beer ready. Uh, it's going to be packaged the day before the event, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but uh, but, uh, Chef Mikey's got such an experience with with doing these pairings that it's not a problem. You know, we tell them the ingredients that are in it. We give them some tasting notes. And the pairings always turn out to be amazing. So that's something that is definitely learned. Uh, and I think also a little bit, um, you know, just – just you either have that insight or you don't um, just knowing what
0: knowing what people want to eat and then knowing the basic breakdown of the beer yeah and then being able to match it to whatever you want to serve you know I've been able to match american made beers with you know German or Belgian backgrounds with Italian food, which is kind of kind of fucked up <a> bit <laughs> I mean when you think about yeah. it. <laughs>
2: Uh, and so for those of you just tuning in, uh, we are joined today with uh, Brandon Skull from DC Brow, co-founder and CEO, along with Mario Rodella, chief community and culture officer and famed chef Mike Freeman of All Purpose Red Hen. Um, both All Purposes. Okay. Um, <laughs> not the Red all Hen in Virginia. Just <laughs> yes, not the Red Hen in Virginia. Ouch! <laughs> um, wee, wee. So... <laughs> Oh man. Um, did, did you guys, did
3: people get those confused did, they when, did. when that yeah. happened? No? no, definitely
2: not. <laughs> yes, yeah, of course. We'll do. talk about yes. it later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you guys touched on this a little bit, but as far as the logistics go, specifically for creating a collaboration, is it, this is kind of like a chicken and the egg thing. Like, what comes first? Is it the beer or is it the food? Are you looking at the food and thinking, okay, what good beer is going to pair well with this? Or are you looking at the beer and kind of, going from there? It's
0: a great question. I personally am always going to go beer first. Okay. Because if I'm doing a collab, I'm definitely, you know, uh, we've reached out to a brewery. Uh, If we're doing a tap takeover or a dinner, uh, we've reached out to a brewery or they've reached out to us and said, hey, we want to do this. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll be like, great. What beers do you want to pour? And then we kind of have a conversation about that. And I kind of, we talk about how we want the dinner to go or what beers they want to, focus on if they're doing a release into the market and then I'll definitely, you know, if I can get the beers and taste them, I will, if not, I'll look at the notes and and look at, you know, the hop strains or or the malt what's in there and, and, you know, figure out the body of it and then um, craft something around that, that usually hits the mark. I mean, again, beer and food is a little bit more forgiving I would say than wine and food as well. Uh, So you definitely, like I said, there's so many subjective opportunities to find, of those pairings mm-hmm. that um, I'll always taste the beer first. I, the food for me is secondary to making sure that we are hitting the notes of the beer. And, you know, I definitely want to bridge certain flavors. And when I mean bridge, I mean like if there's a tropical note in the beer, I want, uh, you know, sometimes I utilize tropical flavor profiles. If there's a multi backbone to the beer, sometimes I'll go really bready, but I also like to steer away from those and figure out, if there's another flavor profile beneath those major ones and then try to pair it with that.
2: Okay. Kind of drawing some of the secondary flavors. For out sure. A little bit. For sure. Okay. If
0: we Or even from the smell or from the, you know, on the nose or something like that. So, um, that's basically how, how we work it, but definitely beer comes first with we're doing pairings.
3: Hmm. I would agree with that if we're working on a a beer dinner or a collaborative sort of event, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's not always true if we're working on actually crafting a beer for a restaurant. So let's talk about uh, Full Count, which is actually the beer that we have on – that's a collaboration between us and All Purpose that you find at the Riverfront. So the idea between for that beer was that we wanted a beer that was going to go with their menu at large. And we also wanted a beer that was going to be a really good baseball beer and a summertime beer because we're down there on the water right next to the ballpark. So the inspiration came from something that's going to pair with the menu at large and also something that's going to be a great summertime baseball beer, thus the name Full Count.
0: If I may interrupt, I just want to use the word that Gareth Croak, my business partner, uses, <laughs> which is crushable. Crushable.
3: That That was another inspiration. It needed to be... Crushable, um, so we we
2: a patio pounder,
3: a patio pounder exactly, yeah. and you guys um,
2: have a beautiful patio, so Thank and a,
3: a nice rooftop now.
0: Yes, oh, yes, right. open Tuesday through Sunday. <laughs> Ooh, nice.
2: Um,
3: so, so yeah, so that was the inspiration behind that beer, and we wanted something that was still craft, but you know, an adjunct sort of uh, lager beer, and something that really was crushable, and that was where Full Count came from. That was the genesis of that beer. And it's really been quite a successful project, I think, for us and All Purpose. Um, We actually started brewing it and found that um, we needed to brew it again before we thought we were going to. Yeah, we kept running out of it. It was so so (laughs) successful. So crushable. Crushable. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's always one of... We don't do a ton of collaborations with restaurants because it's a sort of supply and demand thing. You know, our real busy months... Fall in between, you know, March to Aprils when it starts, and then it sort of tailors off around now. So the busiest parts of the year for us for producing our own beers are also the busiest times that a restaurant might want a private beer. So the worst case scenario is if we brew something and then it's time to rebrew it, and we, you know, have got all of our tanks full of our flagship beers and can't do it. So we're sort of apprehensive to do it, but. This is a, a situation that we really wanted to make it work, and it did actually work. I think there was only maybe one day that we ran out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's been summer. fresh. It's been... It's, it's been
2: very fresh beer.
3: There's been a couple of days where it's like they're down to the last keg when the, when the new amount ships to the distributor.
0: And I also think that it's, you know, it, it, it also plays into the DC scene in general. Like, you know, we opened uh, Red Hen six years ago. Boundary Stone has been... There for eight or nine. I was thinking, is it ten years now? They just celebrated. They just celebrated. Yeah. I, I think first it, eight. I think it's eight. I think it's eight. Yeah. So they just yeah. celebrated eight years, but for a long time, I think Boundary Stone was DC Brow's best client. Yes, they were. That's true. They were purchasing a whole bunch of beer, and they were always on the rotation. If you know multiple beers on the on the rotation, so when we paired up with Boundary Stone to open up All Purpose, and then All Purpose Waterfront, where Gareth has really kind of taken the reins into the kind of restaurant that he wants to to manage mm-hmm. and has been doing such a great job there. It was kind of a no-brainer that we wanted to do a, a really kind of quietly collaborative beer. It's not like we went out to the masses and told everybody that, you know, All Purpose is collaborating with DC Brow. We wanted to kind of make it a little bit of a secret. Um, but the DC scene has has produced that beer and that's kind of the 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 relationship that, that we've built over the years. Um, and then just to kind of piggyback on that we've taken that beer which is our largest selling beer at the at the store and we've also uh paired it with a local charity so every beer that's sold a percentage goes to a local charity and that charity changes from time to time but that's the one beer that we want we know it's going to sell quite a bit because it's delicious and it's a homegrown beer and so we pair it with a charity of our choice uh that we're able to help out
2: Nice. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back uh, to hopefully drink some more beer.
0: Oh, we yeah. drink a beer.
3: Oh, can we eat some pizza too? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: Ever.
2: Whoa! Welcome back to Beer Me, recorded live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Uh, today in the studio, we have Chef Mikey Friedman, uh, Brandon Skull of D.C. Brow, and Mari Rodell of D.C. Brow. So we are uh, excited and uh, anxious. I've been watching this beer the whole time we've been talking, and I'm excited to finally <laughs> crack it. Um, yes. So you... You guys brought some treats for us. You want to tell us about these, uh, these yeah, treats?
3: absolutely. So uh, one of the one of the things that we're really excited about, you know, we just completed a very large expansion at the brewery. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole brand new brew house. And that brew house is um, capable of producing about uh, five times as much beer as our old brew house did. But we haven't disconnected our old brew house. It's still activated and we're using it to brew a lot of really cool one-off small batch specialty beers definitely oh yeah there you go Ooh. oh Ooh. man let's get that in a glass like a
0: beer opening
3: uh so so we are using that system to to really brew a lot of great one-off stuff that we just didn't have the room space or availability to brew before uh, what chef mikey just cracked here is called Uh, and this is one of those beers this beer Literally, um, the idea for this beer came up in about 24 hours when um, there was a harvesting of fresh hops in Michigan, Mm -hmm. and our production manager was headed to the Midwest and said, hey, why don't I fill up my trunk with 300 pounds of wet hop, and we'll bring it back. I'll drive directly to the brewery, and we'll brew a wet hop beer. And we said, yeah, that sounds awesome. So this is the sort of thing we're able to do now. So we got it back. We brewed that beer The whole idea came up on like a Thursday. He was back on Sunday night. We brewed the beer right away, um, and that became Chris Stallion. His name is Chris, coincidentally, Um, but um, you'll see that we also have used this pressure-sensitive label, so this is the first time we've done this. Uh, This was actually the first beer we ever labeled like this. Most of our beer, um, that's a one-off batch, we'll put in shrink wrap sleeves and that's great, but it takes five to eight weeks to do that, and we don't have the accessibility to packaging beer that we are just sort of coming up with on the fly. But this label takes that time down to about 12 to 14 days to get a label produced. So we're able to really uh, be much more creative and fly by the seat of our pants with making new and original beers, which is what we did when we first opened, uh, making all sorts of different beers like Pyramids uh, Under the Sea and... and um, uh,
1: time after time, time
3: after time. Love that name. There was just so many fun ones when we started, and and then once we started having a lot of success uh, with market placements, it was really hard for us to maintain. You know, brewing such a diverse portfolio, we had to really stick to the beers that we had working, so that we were able to keep them in supply. But you know, now you're going to see stuff like this from us all the time. We've got several more planned, even for the rest of this year. Um, but so one of the great things about it, like I said, was that this beer is a wet hop beer, and um, and it's it's something that we've always wanted to do. I think we brewed one wet hop beer before that also came from the same hop purveyor, but they they uh, shipped it out to us, and it was cool for Chris to go drive out and pick it up.
2: Well, it's definitely delicious. Are you people can get this all around DC? I'm assuming
3: actually this one you can only get in the tap room, so um,
1: and it's pretty limited in quantity, so.
3: Yeah, I think there's probably only about 50 cases or less than 50 cases uh, in stock. And we just released it about a week and a half or two weeks ago. Um, and so this one will only be available at the brewery, as will be every now and then. The real small batch stuff will only do at the brewery. Um, but then things like Alpha Domina Mellus. This is a hazy Alpha Domina. Uh, this will be available market-wide. So we're going to have a combination of that. Uh, we, a beer we were talking about earlier during break, uh, Wake Up in the Future, is a 15% um Uh, Russian Imperial Stout that's been aging all year long in whiskey barrels that actually are from 1-8 Distillery Mm -hmm. uh, here in town. So uh, that's a very cool all-D.C. Russian Imperial Stout that's been aging since February. That's going to be very low quantity. That's going to be in um, actually two-pack 16-ounce bombers or uh, cans. Sorry, we're we're
1: releasing that beer at our um, holiday market. We do a holiday market at D.C. Brow every year on um shop small saturday that's um you know the saturday after thanksgiving so this year Mm -hmm. it's saturday the 24th and um that beer and a cup i think there's one other that we're releasing these like small batch beers um at that event
3: yeah the the other beer um is called sugar leaf and that's uh, another hazy ipa
0: weird we're hazing it up as (laughs) if it were a trend
3: yeah Yeah. who 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 would have thought
0: i don't know they are delicious
3: I'm trying to remember but my memory's kind of hazy. This this sesh is really good, man. And
0: it's 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 low A B V. It's five almost five and a half. Yeah. yeah. Super drinkable. It's so fresh tasting. I mean the idea. You can really taste those wet hops. I mean, it's really, really lovely.
3: That was the idea. Like not a lot of malt on this. No. Really like just showcase Juicy. the hop.
0: Yeah, just like really clean. I'm drinking this. I'm drinking a lot of this. Yeah. yeah, and
3: it's got this really cool Zoltar. Like, yeah, label. I was going to say, yeah. is
0: there any connection to Big? <laughs> are we all going to turn it into children right There's now? Because that a, would be awesome.
1: A cool thing with the cans: like, if you can stack them, you actually get like a whole like other.
3: Yeah. So the like, back side visual. of the label is actually the underside of the. Oh, so,
2: so he's here. like. Check it out. Yeah. I see. Okay, this is so much fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, I, I see. It. See,
2: he's like he's got his crystal ball here. Oh. His hands are, his hands are really in the
0: magic. Nice. Got to buy multiple to see that, magic. people. Yeah.
1: And they come in a four-pack. Shoot. So that's cool.
0: That's
2: so true. tell <laughs> me about this, uh, this other beer here. This is your uh, seasonal release. Yes.
3: yes. Um, so the Hazy Alpha Domina Malice. Uh, okay. So this is the sixth year that we've done Alpha Domina Malice, uh, which is cool. So it started as a, it started as pretty much um, like a kitchen sink beer. We looked at our hop contracts at the end of the year and we wanted to utilize any really cool... Strange hops that we still had some contract for. Um, and also we wanted to tie in a local farm, Burnside Farms. They've been friends of ours for years, and they have a very cool wildflower farm, and they keep their own bees to pollinate all the wildflowers. So we use honey from Burnside farms. Uh, it's definitely their largest amount of honey that gets sold in bulk uh, all year, we've been told. so we usually get, um, like two to three five-gallon buckets worth. So 10 to 15 gallons of it goes into goes into the batch. And um, it's just, it's a beautiful unfiltered wildflower honey. And let me go ahead and pour some of this out for you guys.
2: And We're, the farm is in Haymarket.
3: That's right. It's in okay. Haymarket, Virginia. Actually, we planted some hops there right when we first started, but mm-hmm. we never got around to really using them in a beer because we, we couldn't cultivate enough. But let me pour some of this out for you. So thank you. In past years we've uh, we've tried to clarify this beer, but this year we wanted to just let it stay uh, its beautiful, hazy self and oh, leave man. as much of that sort of raw unfiltered honey character in there as possible. One of the things with that raw uh, honey is mm-hmm. that there's some imperfections in the honey. It's not purified, it's not strained. Um, so there is a little bit of character that remains behind. When honey's purified or cleaned, it's just gonna ferment out and it's just gonna end up making it even more dry. But you do get a little bit of that honey character that stays um, in a residual basis when you've got sort of that imperfect honey to brew with.
2: Yeah, oh. a lot of mm. uh, a lot of tropical fruit notes here. Oh yeah. Um, so have the hops changed? I mean. Yeah, I can still every can, year this recipe. I was gonna say I yep. can still smell Simcoe, but like I'm, I'm also getting a lot of the Southern Hemisphere hops, where you get like the guava and the pineapple and that kind of thing. But so every year the hops change. Every it's year the hops crack. change.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, I believe there's some azaka in here too. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, yeah, every year the hops change and. Um, That's one of the things that makes this beer fun and exciting for us is that even though we release it every year, it often has a slightly different malt bill. It has totally different hops every year. The only totally consistent element is that honey from Burnside Farms. In fact, one year we used malt from uh, Copper Fox in it, Mm -hmm. which is a local maltster uh, associated with the Copper Fox distillery.
2: And uh, this beer, higher in ABV, I'm assuming, yes? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't taste it, so it's a little... So this year it's
0: 9.7.
2: Oh yeah, it doesn't taste 9.7. Yeah, it's 9 that 7. honey that makes that, <laughs> that's
0: giving it that kind of dry yeah. note that's, yeah. that's really cleaning it up. I also love the azaka in here. Like it, Anytime I drink a beer with a little azaka, it always has this almost like a foreign note to it that I can never put my finger on. I, I definitely get the tropical nose, definitely on the nose. The honey almost comes through on the nose a little bit yep. too. Kind of get that like residual drier honey smell.
3: Yep, and, and I think that one of the reasons that's there is because uh, it's totally unfiltered, totally unfine, that honey. So you, mm. really do get, uh, you really do get some of it left over at, even after the fermentation process. One thing I will mention with this beer, please, if you do pick it up in the store, consume it fresh. Um, the Imperial Stout that's coming out from us, feel free to lay that down. But we're putting it on all of our packaging now for especially anything that's hazy drink this right away please For sure. um yes. you really want to consume it as fresh as possible yes going to be right out of the can too mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. you can yeah. definitely drink it right, right out of yeah. the can
2: just as a psa all of you beer nerds out there if you're buying any kind of ipa just drink it drink it fresh just drink it
0: oh yeah. i want i want like blue cheese with that oh i want yeah, i want so like nice. brisket with that yeah. you know <laughs> we I want should, something we really should lovely do something. yeah yeah that'd be awesome uh-huh. can we get we some should. brisket and
3: blue cheese in here please
2: so just popping into our studio here, we have uh, Nikki Nellis. Um, she is um, the wonderful person behind the list. Um, are you on it? She is Foodie of Foodie and the Beast. She is also co-host of Industry Night. Basically, if you work in this industry and you don't know who she is,
4: you're not in this industry. Get on it. Get, get on it. Um, so... Uh, Nikki, thank you for swinging by. No, I'm so thrilled to stop by. No, thank you. (laughs) Getting offered beer. It's just a little early for me. But um, no, thank you so much. I just wanted to be able to pop in. I love what you guys are doing here. It's so great. And you and I both being on full service radio, we both get to talk to really cool and interesting people all the time. And today's show was certainly delicious. Um, and then you're going to come on my show later yes. today, right? Yes, we'll on later later on this evening. And I saw that you did a, a recent show about the
2: upcoming Smithsonian. Uh, that was last food week, yeah, Exactly, okay.
4: yeah. That was really exciting. We had the three historians in here. Teresa McCullough was in here, and mm-hmm. she's so amazing. They really, uh, we could have done a show for hours. They just know so much about food history, beer history, obviously, but just the so- the social uh, implications on food and diet and drink and how it affects everybody's daily lives. You know, it's much more than just a meal around the table. Um, so that was great. And then today, we're going to have the Lost Lagers on. So oh, those oh, guys nice. are amazing. Love those guys. So they've, I figure it's the perfect show yeah. for you to yeah. jump in on. They'll they've, be
2: lots of fun. They've come on the show before. They're incredibly, incredibly knowledgeable, for sure.
3: So Mike Stein actually works at the brewery.
1: Yeah. He's yeah. your beer historian. He's our beer historian. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yep. And lead to her guide.
3: <laughs> and lead to her <laughs> That's guide. great. Excellent. We've All got right. a little segment called Saturdays with Stein on Instagram. I recommend checking out.
2: They're really this, good. I've listened to what, two of them now,
4: yes?
3: That there. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a few. couple there's more. Yeah. Few, okay. This past weekend's was very spooky and Halloweeny. So oh. check that one out. He's got All a
4: right. good. He's good. got a good voice for that. Yeah. well We're going to ask him about that today. <laughs> yes, so. please do. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Of again. course, I'll and Mikey freeman have his mic back,
2: and definitely tune into a uh, industry night on a uh, on full service radio. Five p.m. is when they record on Monday nights. They get. The coolest guests, and you know, while we focus mostly on beer, they get to focus on pretty much anything and everything. So, definitely check it out. Uh, so we've been sitting here drinking beer. I noticed that we also have pizza here. Oh, and this is the first. Oh, pizza, pizza that's right. Yeah, Where that grab those. Where is
0: it? Boom! They're all right, so we brought some yes. all purpose pizza, it's kind of our uh flagship pie, the buona. Okay. So, Ooh. Uh, Three-day cold-fermented all-American dough. You got Bianco Di Napoli tomatoes on there. Calabro creamery uh, whole milk mozzarella. Salomaria belese pepperoni from New York. Finished nice. with a little bit of house-made Calabrian chili honey. Fresh-cut basil from the farms. little sprinkling of guarana padano.
3: That honey, and though. you
0: can't... Go wrong. Dig in, guys. Could you well, just say
3: everything you said humor. again?
0: Like, I can. So <laughs> great. sexier it just sounded or, good. yeah? yeah. It's,
3: I can taste how good it
1: was.
2: Can you can you humor my little uh, CIA grad side here and uh, explain why fermenting your dough for three days is important?
0: Of course, and I'll use my CIA side too. When did you graduate?
2: Uh, in two thousand and nine.
0: Okay. Oh, we crossed paths. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I graduated '07.
2: Okay. Oh, we were there at the same time then? Yeah. Man, all right.
0: I slept in a converted janitor's closet.
2: Oh, were you in Angel?
0: No, I was in a, I can't remember what it was called. (laughs) I emotionally blocked it out. Uh, (laughs) But we, uh, so the idea behind fermenting uh, dough in general is that it helps to break down some of the uh, gluten, some of the simple carbohydrates. And what you get is a more digestible dough. You get a dough with more flavor, a little bit more. I wouldn't say sourness, I would just say um, tang. Uh, we actually start with a uh, biga or kind of like a, it's just a quick starter that we make the night before and we keep it out at room temperature and it ferments and then we fold that into a fresh dough. Um, really high hydration for pizza dough, so right around 70%. We've got um, central milling whole wheat flour. We've got a King Arthur double O N A P flour malt powder, so diastatic malt powder that aids in yeast development and caramelization and then a little bit of California olive oil, sea salt, yeast and like I said, fresh dough into the biga and then we let that ferment overnight as a bulk and then we ball it and then that ferment as well and you've got yourself a fairly structured dough, you can do almost anything with this Um, it was something that we developed over the course of about a year year and a half Um, and the idea was that we cook deck oven pie. We don't cook Neapolitan style. So Neapolitan, much simpler, um, very, very delicious, but you have basically an overnight dough mm-hmm. that then gets cooked in a wood-burning oven. So that, all that flavor is coming from that wood-burning oven. You get all the spots around the dough. It's called leoparding, and that's because of that really high heat, and that yeast is activating so quickly. Um, and I, this is kind of cool, because you guys probably know a little bit what I'm talking about in terms of how the beer yeah. reacts yeah. with fermentation. Um, But So the yeast reacts really quickly. With my dough, we cook at a much slower rate. So Neapolitan ovens right around 1,000 to 1,100 degrees. Um, Our ovens run at about 600. So where you might get a 90-second pizza out of a Neapolitan uh, joint, uh, at All Purpose, you get a pizza at around five minutes. So it's much more of a bread background, and it's much more of a how do I um, create a dough that's going to stand up to Neapolitan style in terms of the flavor profile while also— honoring the tradition that i wanted to honor which was that new york deck oven style which you know i can get into the history of pizza too if you want but <laughs> i won't because we don't have enough time but uh, i do love pizza i uh, love eating pizza i love making pizza and uh, i love giving pizza away well, so let's eat some
2: i appreciate that about you my pleasure
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's all eat a, eat a slice
2: thank you all for coming by on this uh, beautiful monday morning um, please uh, go to restaurants and drink beer with food. Yes. Specifically Red Hen and All Purpose. Yes, please. Definitely check out their patio and their rooftop noun for down sure. by the waterfront. Yep. Um, for DC Brow, their uh, Saturday, uh, small business Saturday holiday market, the tickets are on sale. Uh, now it is definitely worth your while. The collection, the list of vendors that you guys are hosting, We've got a lot of great awesome. so so always impressive, awesome. so impressive. And always go out and support your you know local vendors and producers. Drink um, any small release DC brow you can get your hands on, and also stick to the classics because they're pretty amazing. For sure,
0: and we'll have them at AP and and, uh, and Red Hen all the time. There's always a brow at all the restaurants, so come and drink them. And And we we appreciate that. Oh, our pleasure. We got a lot of events going on this winter with some tap takeovers at Shaw location of all purpose. And then come uh, when the weather starts getting nicer, you'll see a lot of fun collaborations with a lot of breweries from not only here in D.C., but from around the country. So really looking forward to that next year on the water.
2: Nice. And uh, tune in to my buddy, uh, Nikki Nellis' show, Industry Night at 5 p.m. every Monday. This has been Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recording live from the Line Hotel. Cheers.
3: And our DJ sets are available on Mixcloud.com slash Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service R-D-O,
4: on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.